Welcome, podcast friends. We have a fantastic episode for you today. Last year, we published The Best Investment Writing, Volume 4. We offered authors the opportunity to record an audio version of their chapter to be released as a segment of the podcast, and listeners loved it. This year, we're once again bringing you the entire volume of The Best Investment Writing, Volume 5, in podcast format. You'll hear from some of the most respected money managers and investment researchers from all over the world. Enough from me. Let's get to our guest and let them take over this special episode. Hi, this is Daniel Bonsali, Chief Investment Officer of Longtail Alpha LLC, a Newport Beach, California-based firm. We specialize in risk mitigation strategies, including tail risk hedging and trend following and various other methods that we use for managing portfolio risk, both on the left side and the right side. I've written a number of books on the topic, and today I will discuss our paper, Diversifying Diversification, Downside Risk Management with a Portfolio of Insurance Securities. This paper was published in the Journal of Portfolio Management, and it was Jeremy Holdem, who was the research strategist here at Longtail Alpha, and myself. Our key findings are the following, that many securities and strategies, such as gold, Swiss franc, bond futures, S&P 500, index put options, trend following, they all work for risk mitigation and different people emphasize the importance of different strategies and securities. Some people argue for trend following being the best strategy. Some people argue for left tail hedging being the best strategy. We take a very democratic approach and our approach is that perhaps all of these tools in the trade should be used for managing risk without necessarily preferring one over another at all times. Of course, pricing does matter and pricing makes a difference when things are cheap, when insurance is cheap in one asset class or one type of strategy or security, it should be used. So what we did here is we set up these different instruments and went back and tested it over a 50-year history. First, we verified that each one of these strategies mitigates risk. And then what we did is we also ran a optimization strategy with the portfolio of these securities and an equal weighted portfolio where we didn't do any optimization. And what we found is that even without doing a lot of optimization, being democratic and open-minded about these securities and strategies actually allows portfolio posture quite a bit. We call it diversifying diversification. So instead of arguing about what strategy is the best one to use, we should think of diversifying all of our diversification strategies. Now, that's even more important when it's impossible to forecast the future, which it almost always is, but today even more than ever. Instead of focusing on one insurance or risk mitigation strategy, we believe all of them should be used without a lot of reliance on hindsight bias or picking one that shows up as really good in backtesting but doesn't necessarily work you know, out of sample. Now, just to give you an overview of the paper, stock markets are very high and they've been rallying for quite a bit, and investors are quite worried about a sharp pullback. So they're looking for diversification. Today, fixed income doesn't do very well because interest rates are quite low. In many countries, rates have to go negative for diversification. Duration has been in a back test, a very good risk mitigation strategy. It's just that looking at the environment in the next few years where inflation could become a real problem, it may or may not be the best type of strategy used for diversification. So collectively, we call all these securities insurance securities, and we do the risk mitigation 
problem in two steps, basically repeating two steps in a systematic manner. First, we look at each insurance security by itself and see what its risk return profile is in isolation. And there's a table in the paper that describes all the statistics over the last 50 years, including return, volatility, drawdown, etc. And then we do it in the portfolio context where we don't just look at each individual security, but we collect them inside of a portfolio and do the analytical exercise, both optimized and non-optimized, on the convexity that this portfolio delivers. The paper is very simple in the sense that we haven't relied on a lot of fancy techniques, overfitting, machine learning, all of those things, because we want to really communicate the ideas at a very, very basic level. And we haven't used other things like complex utility functions, negative skewed utility functions, so on, because the results can be made to look as good as one wants if you complicate the problem. And, and the purpose here is not to complicate, but to actually simplify. So our insurance security universe consists of S&P 500 as the underlying instrument. And as mentioned before, the Swiss franc, Japanese yen, gold, U.S. long bond futures, a simple trend program, and a left tail S&P 500 put option strategy. The data starts in the early 1970s, so we've got about 50 years of data. Now, each one of these strategies has a rationale on why it might be useful. The put option is simply an option, so that's clear. It just protects against downside. Swiss franc and yen typically perform well or have historically performed well when there's a flight out of carry trades because those are low-yielding Currencies considered to be safe havens. The Swiss franc still is probably the yen isn't anymore. Gold again, in today's vernacular, Bitcoin might be called digital gold, but gold and other instruments like that are a place where people have gone traditionally, historically for many, many thousands of years to keep their money safe. And then duration, as I mentioned before, benefits from diversification response when the stock market is falling. So each one of them has a rationale, but each one of them also contributes depending on levels and the kind of episode that people are insuring against. The trend following aspect of this, slightly different from all the others, trend following is a strategy that has a long history, essentially momentum across asset classes, which is in a sense option replication but also it goes philosophically to a very important aspect of markets, that markets don't always mean revert, that they can trend, especially when they're trending, the bounds of mean reversion can break down and markets can directionally move quite a bit. Option volatilities in our paper are all derived from the implied volatility surface. From 1996 onwards, we actually have the volatility surface. Prior to that, we have backfilled it using a structural model, which is relatively close to how these options would behave. Further details obviously are in the paper. In exhibit one and two, we describe both the realized returns as well as the convexity profile. And then we do some polynomial fits. And one of the most important things to us that comes out of this paper is that the more reliable a security and insurance security is, for example, a put option, typically the more upfront cost you have to pay. That's very simple, and you can understand that in order to be reliable, for instance, buying home insurance or fire insurance, you want to be provided with that insurance from someone who can be relied upon in that event. And put options in the S&P 500 index are probably the most reliable way of hedging 
downside risk on the S&P 500 index because it doesn't suffer from the basis risk that might come from diversification, et cetera. And correspondingly, because it's so reliable, it costs a little bit more. So the trade-off is not to go back and say, let's look at what was the cheapest way of insuring, but it's more about given my desire for reliability, what is the best way of insuring? If I want things to be less reliable but cheaper, of course, I can go and buy something else that's cheaper. So one other aspect of this is that just looking at sharp ratios in isolation for these insurance securities might not be a very good indicator. You have to look at cash flows. You have to look at when they pay off. Are they reliable? Is the convexity there when you need it or not? And obviously, there's a price for that convexity, both the size, the magnitude, and the reliability of that convexity. So moving on in the paper, we do two types of portfolio construction, both in-sample and out-sample to prevent data mining bias. In the very simple case, we just look at a weighted average of all these insurance securities, and that that works really well, actually, both out-of-sample and in-sample. And then we also do it with an optimization scheme where we basically risk adjust to make it risk equal. And there are certain episodes in which it does better than the naive Occam's razor equal weighting. But generally speaking, the results to us are fairly close. Again, I won't go into all the details, but the details are described in the paper that Jeremy and I wrote that I mentioned before. And then finally, just to conclude this paper, the results are quite robust, both in sample, out of sample, The weights are quite stable, and we just believe that the upshot of this approach is that people should take the risk mitigation and diversification problem in a very simple and straightforward manner, which is what are all the tools that are available in the marketplace? How can I combine them? And does the combination give me a lot of faith in the reliability and the delivery potential of these different types of hedges? So thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the paper and we'd love any feedback on it. Thank you. 